Hello, I'm Zach. And I'm Forrest. And we are the last of the 80s kids, and we are here, uh, we talked about this in our last episode, we are here to talk about Barbenheimer, or Boppenheimer, or what, what is it called, Forrest? I, I think Barbenheimer. Barbenheimer. But you could say, I think, Barbieheimer. Barb, okay, to. I can dig it. Uh, so the first part of this uh, episode is going to be uh, Barbie, uh, which we have both seen um, as of this recording. And yeah. um, so we haven't really talked much. Uh, we just both said that we liked it. And so, and another thing I wanted to introduce, if you're cool with it, is the rating system, like out of 10 in this. Oh, sure. Uh, to, you know, how you feel about it. Because I kind of had a gut shot about my prediction going in where I thought this was going to end up, and I'll tell you where it actually ended up. So Okay. Um, okay. Down. But yeah, so what was your thoughts? What was your experience? I know you did a whole thing. Uh, I just went with my wife on a Saturday, but you did the whole um, enchilada, the whole one night. Let's go and see it. Yeah, so. the whole Barbenheimer deal, yeah. And I, I went to a matinee to see Barbie. Saw Barbie first. I think that's what a lot of people did. Um, and I really enjoyed Barbie. Um, I guess going in, I, I was kind of expecting anywhere between an 8 and a 10. And I feel like it landed right in that range. Um, I'd probably rate it a uh, nine, and I can get into some of the details of why I, I don't think it's perfect, but I think it's uh, just about as perfect as I could ever expect it to be. Okay, very good. How about you? What were you thinking? Going um, into it? so yeah, I uh, going into the movie, I was um, looking forward to seeing it. I'm a huge Ryan Gosling fan, huge Margot Robbie fan. I uh, have become, over the years, more interested in Barbie because of my wife. She is a collector of Barbies, and uh, I never grew up with a lot of toys, so over the past many years I've been really getting into toy history, Transformers, Turtles, um, all that. And if you look and you watch a lot of these programs, Barbie is up there, and there's a reason. Uh, the history, the behind-the-scenes of it all is pretty intense and fascinating, no matter what it is. Um, and so I was interested in that, so as a novice I was looking forward to that, and um, like I said to you was that just going in, I was already hearing rumblings about even people who loved it said, oh, you know, I wanted to love it more, I wanted it to be something else, you know, yada, yada, yada. So I went in kind of um, hoping that it was going to be a 6 or a 7. I hoped that I was going to enjoy it and say, yeah, that was a good time. Um, and... Um, uh, but I came out of it uh, really loving it as well, um, and I agree with you. I would give it a nine out of ten, um, and that was uh, that was pretty um, pretty awesome. Um, I have a big I like we were saying just a little bit before we went into it. I have a big problem with some of the criticisms of the film uh, because I don't think I think that. Everyone who sees art has a different opinion, has a different way, has a different way of seeing things. But sometimes it's, I think sometimes for artists and for fans of art, it's not worse. What's worse isn't saying, oh, I don't like something, is not understanding it or getting it or trying to get the message or the full message. Sure, or, sure. And, and I think context is huge because, you know, this movie is rated PG-13. And uh, I think it might be, um, the conversation that's emerging might be the first um, big reevaluation of PG-13 as a category 
I feel like the last time was when The Dark Knight came out. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And honestly, I even felt a uh, coincidence no, I mean, when well, Batman or The Batman came out. Sure. It, it was pretty intense for PG-13. I mean, both Nolan and Matt Reese said they made rated R cuts and then just did what they can to get it PG-13. So, yeah. Yep, yep. And it, and it shows. And I don't feel that in this movie, though. I feel that, yeah, it's definitely earned its PG-13... Um, you know, classification with a few off-color jokes that, you know, have a sure. little bit of sexual innuendo. Sure. But usually the sexual innuendo is very innocent. Yeah. Um, a great example being a scene in the trailer when uh, Barbie asks Ken if... Um, what are they going to do when they hang out all night? <laughs> yeah, that's it. What are they going to do? And, 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 and But I thought that was... But I thought that was lovely. And that's the thing is that, like, some of the criticisms are, oh, the writing was bad. And I really do not like that because I thought the writing was doing so many things. Yeah. I think that the writing was showing you that if you're a little kid who grew up with Barbie and are not ready for that conversation yet, that scene, you go, oh, that's funny, and you laugh because everyone else is laughing around you. But for the adults in the room, we go, this is funny and this is a good joke and blah, blah, blah. But that's kind of the... That's also been a part of Barbie since the beginning. And this entire film was about a celebration and a delving into declassification, deconstruction of everything. Because, it, like they said in the movie, and it's true in the history of Barbie, um, it has been both super progressive and super not progressive. Um, there's a joke in there that um, she had went to the moon before she could get credit cards. And that's, and that's like a real-life thing that happened. Yeah, yeah. Um, so... You know, and and is that a bummer? Is that a total... No, that's a sort of a good thing. But it's also can be seen as a putting feminists back. And, like, that movie's delving with all that. And when people say it comes down hard on one side, I don't think so. I think it's showing you a big side of a, um, and kind of using Barbie as a brilliant way of showing us the real world, which is what you want art to be. Yeah. Um, um, like I said, yeah, now and, we can... and it's got a lot of feminism in it, and, and it really does a lot of work towards just simply inverting, uh, like, the, the world order, which I, I know has, um, has really, you know, uh, perturbed or upset people, but, but it, hey, it really is just an inversion I think, I think what's really of the... the status quo in a movie. Like, yeah. it's just a, it's like a what if. Well, and not just that, but I think that Greta Gerwig in this movie is hitting a chord. I think it's actually having some people sit in the theater and feel and think things that they did not want to um, going into it. And that is what I think is some of the, the, where some of the weird things are coming from. Because I went in going, I hope this is a fun comedy that I will enjoy as a novice. Ryan Gosling will be somebody who who I've always loved, so okay. Margot Robbie, great. Um, it looks fun. The trailers look fun. Uh, I think she's been talking this up about there's tons of movie references, which there were. So if yeah. you're a movie fan, there's a lot of that in there. So that's kind of what I was going in. But I thought the message was great. And I think that um, the, biggest, the biggest lob against this film has been um, that it comes down that... Um, 
it's all women, all feminism, all the time. It needs to be Barbie. It needs to be this. Um, we need to get rid of men in the patriarchy, yeah. blah, blah, blah. But, but now, know, here's, my, here's my biggest thing, is that I think that the entire film, that's what it is about. The entire film is showing you that a world that is totally ran by women and it is in a dream world doesn't work. And in the real world, since the beginning of Man, we've kind of done this, we want to do whatever men want to do dream world. Yep. And it doesn't, and it hasn't really worked out. So maybe we yeah, both there, need to. Yeah, there have been some, uh, you know, mistakes were made, as uh, so, George Carlin said. In so Dogma. for me, um, um, for me, the movie yeah. was very much about Ken and Barbie and and coming together as everyone. Yes, it used that inversion, and it was used for fun, and it was used for the the movie. Yeah, but like. But I love that, and I loved at the end that Ken. Uh, so yeah, we'll get into spoilers. We're just gonna you know. There's get a couple into things this. I I want to uh, yeah uh, circle back to though. Like you brought up, like you know, some people are upset about the writing, and uh, not even really thinking about them, but thinking about something that I enjoyed. Yeah. Okay. Is it, it, there's an artificiality to everything? Okay, and when you think about Barbie. I think a lot of people, even if they don't consciously make that connection, there's definitely a connection to artificiality. Like, yes. there's nothing about Barbie that is entirely realistic, and that's been something that people have criticized Barbie for. Yes. Like it's unrealistic expectations on women. Exactly. But then it's also cut the other way, yes. where, for example, I think, you know, it's funny, uh, a lot of people would probably point to a Barbie toy and they would say, that's a toy for girls. Yes. It's a girl toy. Well, I'm, and and yeah. if you ask them, oh, really? It's a girl toy, so like, what's Barbie Land like? And if you really extrapolated the scenario, you would be like, oh yeah, there's a girl president, there's a girl um, the Supreme Court, there's a girl, you know, everything. And it, canonically speaking, it would make sense. So like, if somebody's honoring the source material, which I really believe Greta Gerwig is, then they're going to present it in that way. Yes. And it just it just strikes me as strange that, that it feels like the people who are critical of that aspect of it are people who very much want men to be men and women to be women. Yes. So here's a movie about a property that they would probably say is for women, about women, starring women, and they're upset that the women are empowered in it. And it just... It just trips no. me up because I think a lot of people are just kind of, they're just kind of shorting themselves. This is a fun movie. It is. It's a, well, it's a summertime blast and they're, they're overthinking it. Uh, I, th I think they are overthinking it, but I think that the reason why it's really hitting a chord is because it's doing what um, true art does. I think it's a real um, uh, movie and I'm not trying, that's not derogatory, but even since... Years ago, when they said they're going to make a Barbie movie, same thing with the Lego movie when that was announced years ago. People said this is going to be, you know, terrible. It's just going to be a toy movie. And they made a really good movie out of the Lego movie. And Greta Gerwig wanted to do a movie about, like you said, all of this stuff. And the thing that I thought was amazing, and this is the thing that I think the people are short-sighted on, is that she still did what people wanted. People wanted to see 
the history of Barbie on screen. She did that, but she did it in clever ways, through, through costumes, through scene changes, through um, the great scene with uh, the clothes being thrown out. That is how you went through the history of Barbie, and we saw the famous clothes and the famous things that, even though I'm not a big fan, I didn't know about some right, of Right, a, a lot of deep cuts. I mean, if sure. you're a Barbie fan, yes. and you know trivia about the limited edition, I think, Skipper outfit, for example, you know, you're going to be in hog heaven with some of these Easter eggs. So she still did that. She gave a, she gave a love letter to Barbie. But she also took on the the criticism that has been for fifty years about Barbie. Did that? Did the and did the criticisms about Ken? And did the criticisms about the world? And did the and did it all? And both celebrated it and twisted it on its head and made it, um, and make it work. And that's and that's one of the things where like when people are like it's all over the place. It changes every you know half an hour. Changes from serious. It, to it de- does because it keeps up momentum. You know, and and I'm I'm curious. Okay, so there's there's a lot of aspects to this movie. Like, yeah. um, uh, basically, like if you haven't seen it and you would like the basic structure of sure. the plot, without yeah, let's too start much from detail, the beginning. Yeah. You know, anyway, we don't need to talk about got, the negative, but we liked. Yeah. Yeah. You got you got Barbie in Dreamland. She lives her life as a Barbie would, being played with a little girl. She floats when she goes from her house to her car. She drinks water that doesn't exist. All kinds of cool little flourishes that remind you, if you played with Barbies, of playing with them. Um, And life is great. We get a few musical numbers, some great little banter. And and then we get some more musical numbers. And eventually, Barbie has existential dread. Yes. Okay, and this is kind of like a Truman Show. And Mm. it's kind of like Pleasantville. Okay. Um, And that's what I love about it. Um... If you haven't seen Pleasantville or Truman Show, um, the, these are movies that uh, are about people that live in artificial worlds. And somehow those artificial worlds are cracked and it forces people that are kind of two-dimensional to grow up. Yes. And I felt like Greta Gerwig was channeling that energy this whole movie. Like, oh, yeah. okay, we got Barbie, we got Ken, we got fun, we got Technicolor musical numbers. Well, but... And- how do I yeah. give Barbie and Ken a threshold to cross, yes. a, a hero's journey to go on so that they can grow up? Yep. And to Ken's credit, like people are missing out on the fact that Ken, well, in a lot of ways, is a protagonist in this film. Uh, and he's an he antagonist. Journey. Yes, yeah, he's more of an antagonist, yeah. He turns into yeah. an antagonist, which is what I loved when this is the thing that, that's the other big criticism, is that there are Ken lovers out there that are like... Um, you know, Ken has always been the butt end of jokes that he's just Ann Barbie and all this stuff, and this movie didn't do anything to help that. And I don't understand that, because from here on out, Ryan Gosling will always be known, and Ken now has a story, when for the last 55 or 60 years he was um, Barbie's girl or boyfriend. Yeah. And now he is going to become the person who was the villain in the Barbie movie, but then they made up, and now he's Ken enough. Okay, yeah. and that's cute, and they like, and it was like a great um, way to do that. And now Ken has the second biggest arc in the entire Barbie movie. Yeah. So like saying that he didn't get anything at all, and how dare they, I just think it's crazy to me. That's just me. Yeah, that's... Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, and there's so many, uh, there's just so much fun to be had. You know, uh, from simple things like um, Alan... 
Which um, I love uh, Michael yeah. Sarah. Yeah, I was gonna say Michael Sarah. I thought stole the show in this film. I thought every time he showed up, he was amazing. Um, Ryan Gosling was great. Margot Robbie was great. What do you think about them leaving Barbie Land? I feel like that's um, where a lot of people maybe differ. Like, did you like? the movie uh, the same after they left Barbie Land? So again, one of the things I will say is that I followed the trailers, so I knew a lot of the stuff was coming. I didn't know the big swings, I didn't know the emotional stuff, but I knew that they were going to be doing this, and I thought, okay, this is a fun way. Um, I think if you're going in blind and you didn't know that, I could see that being upsetting, so um, I don't mind that. I... All I care about, and that's one of the things is for me, is that I care about what kind of story you're going to tell me and what kind of emotional beats are you going to try and get to. Um, if I told you, like, I always bring this up, and if you're longtime listeners on either podcast, you'll probably hear me bring it up, but it's one of the great examples, is in Spider-Man No Way Home, you have the reason why they brought those three Peters together was so they could have that scene where they talk about that. Now, you can't have that in a drama. You can't have that in a Western. You can't have that in the real life. So if I told you, okay, on paper, I'm going to have some guys step out of portals and they're going to be different Spider-Men, they're going to talk about their feelings, you may roll your eyes at that and go, that's terrible. But I think that that was the best scene in the entire film of that, of that movie. And that's kind of what Barbie do- is doing. It's using all these tropes, all these movie tropes... Um, Pinocchio, Toy Story, um, whatever. Uh, like you said, Truman Show, things out of uh, fish out of water stories that have been done a million times. Sure, sure. And I was tr- thinking of also like Blast from the Past. Ex- yes, yes, yeah. exactly. That's a good one. Exactly. So that's not new to me. And I went, oh, they're applying it this. And like you said, they applied so much. They applied meta. They applied musicals. They employed rom coms. They employed um, a war film at one point, which yeah. I was, which I thought was hilarious. Yeah. But oh, yeah. but like you got but but I was down for that, and I was entertained from start to finish. I and I loved that, and I thought that it was really well done because, like you said, there was so much going on, and the, all the characters had so much dialogue that meant so many different things, and. You think these characters are going to be this way, or you think characters are going to be that way. And so, yeah, that did not bother me that they left the real world. I really enjoyed that stuff. Uh, Will Ferrell was another standout for me in the film. Um, I really enjoyed him. He was hilarious, and he was in the real world. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I thought that was good. Um, and I liked, I, yeah, and I thought I the thought Ken they stuff was it hilarious. Off, by the way, too. Yes. Um, I did feel, I really did, it was my biggest worry about this movie, it, overall, yeah. because they really sold the, the, the Barbie land, and it, it's stunning. It is. And it's got musical numbers, it's got high energy, and I was super worried going in, like, oh, but, oh no, yep. what if they leave Barbie land and this movie just suddenly sucks sure. for like 30 minutes and it just kills it, sure. and it did not happen, and I was very, I was impressed with how quickly the plot moved outside of Barbie land and how it eventually well, see, circles us back. Well, yeah. Well, and, and, and that's, that made me very happy. Well, and that's one of the things like, like I was getting to the point in the movie where I was like, are we going to stop with Barbie land? And she literally does the, um, that's when she talks about her existential crisis because I loved the, the, the stuff too. But even from the trailers, I knew that was going to be the artificialness. I did not want two hours of Barbie Dreamland. 
It, it that was me. That's for me. Oh, that movie would have had I know, been like uh, 80 minutes some, if it was Some people want Barbie that. Land. Some people wish that it was just musicals and dancing in Barbie Land. <laughs> no, I was getting a little tired of it, and literally the moment that I was feeling that was when that happened. And so that's why I felt so great about this movie was that even, and like literally, there's a moment in this film where they're talking, the character, the main character, Barbie, right. is talking about how ugly she is. And I literally say, you guys cast Margot Robbie. And then Helen oh, yeah. Mirren comes in and says it. So like, so, like, that kind of audience sitting on my shoulder, I know that I have somebody who's thought this out, who's wrote this out, who's done all the things. I, I, I really enjoyed that and loved that. And that's how I started to really feel really good and comfortable with the film because I was like, is this going to be just... Um, a section of three sections of Dream Barbie Land and some weird medic. Sure. Medi- sure. No, but it was a real film and it had its cake and it ate it too. It did yeah. all the things. Well, it so. had it had an existential crisis that you know I I know I know that you know that sounds that that probably sounds pretentious, but like you know worried about being alive and dying someday. You know, uh, being human, that's, whatever that's whatever that, that is that people go through. Yeah, and uh, you know. I know that that's a mature topic, but the way that it's handled with such humor, but also with seriousness, yes. it, it speaks to Greta Gerwig as a filmmaker. Yeah. She's she's great at pacing stories. She's great at picking and choosing material to emphasize. Yes. And just, just overall, I mean, I, I'm i very well, fond oh, of yeah. this director's style and basically her entire approach because she she captures something that's way deeper than any of the stuff we've just really discussed like we we talk about the you know the aspects of the movie that we can see but then she's on a whole nother level well she's well she's well life well not just that but meaning of it all well not just that but it's about women and um uh like that whole america ferrera speech i think that uh, I think that is a very truthful speech, and I think that some people did not want to hear that speech. I think that some people, that made them uncomfortable, even women. Like I said, some of the biggest uh, uh, dislikers of this film are women, and that was one of the biggest things that kind of came up was that scene. But for me, that was kind of the, the heart of it was like, um, and that's that's one of, and what Greta Gerwig is trying to get to is what, it is also trying to get to why I try, it, it, She's trying to say and get across to a mass audience why Barbie matters, why Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles matters, why superheroes matter, why baseball matters, whatever it is. There are these ideals that people look up to that they either... Yes, there's always bad stuff. In the real world, there's bad stuff. There is people who don't pay the right contractors and blah, blah, blah. But if you're a little kid and your dream is to be on this baseball team and you can make it and you make the American dream, that is a beautiful thing. But yes, somebody can come across and be like, well, this guy 10 years ago, you know, stole this money. And yeah, that stuff happens. That's the real world. And that's what she was doing was trying to talk about the good about Barbie and the good about having ideas, whatever it is. And Barbie is an idea. She always has been. And I love that kind of, um, uh, she's not a toy. And that's what, yeah. and that's why I think that people are upset about is that some people said that this was saying that Barbie's not a toy. My childhood was a lie, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, no, they're just saying that 
that however if it got it through if if you got through life and barbie helped you then then now it's her turn to live life and to do that and there's you know you know it's it's it was really captured well by the marketing team's choice to to use that catchphrase for those that love barbie and those that hate barbie i agree and it's like yeah it just i feel it captures it so no i thought that was great well and and um i thought that what they did with the the main mom and daughter and how they switched that up because the minute I heard there was a mother and daughter, I went, oh, I know how this is going to go. Yeah. And then that's not how it went, and I really like that. And like I said, talking to um, my wife, I said there was moments in here where I felt like they were talking to you. Or slash the other women in the, you know, not yeah. to me. And they were like, you know, because my wife is around the same age as America Ferrera. And we were talking about how we used to watch her be a teenage girl on ABC Family. Yeah. And now she's the mom of a kid of a going, going through an existential crisis. Um, yeah. And But that's true, and that's where that's where we are. That's where us millennials and, you know, whatever's are. And, 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 to, and there are people that, are, and I, that, want, that do not want their little girls to, to learn that life lesson, feel that life lesson, see that life lesson. But the point of the movie, and I'm sorry to say this, is that if you're human, you've already had that lesson. It doesn't matter if you're five. Sure, a lot of a lot of young ladies have like anybody you know, who's been, human have, have encountered situations maybe similar, like in language and stuff, to what the people in the movie experience. You know, without you know yeah. having like a, a particularly no, well, like topic. just like the, the like end some there. of the topics in the movie are pretty tame. And yeah, well, I mean, they are even PG thirteen. Yes, well, and even like at the very end there, uh, when she's talking about just being human, and Rue's talking about how yeah, it's not about being a woman; it's being scared and feeling lonely and oppressed and all that stuff. And um, it is. And I'm sorry if you are human and you are alive; these emotions are going to happen. Um, yeah. And it's up to and it's your it's your derogative, and it's your decision about how you want to deal with them. Yeah. If you want to ignore them, that's cool. But this movie is saying uh, Barbie now is going to just take on the ultimate sacrifice, which is become human and have all those insecurities, all those things. And yeah. that's it's, it's almost like Barbie, the, the, the stereotypical Barbie, as she calls herself, yeah. kind of with a big asterisk, you know, like, uh, you know, that's just the best way I can describe myself. I'm average Barbie, stereotypical Barbie. I'm just a Barbie. Yeah. But, you know, it, it, there there's a certain way you can look at this like she's an every like for lack of a better term, an every every person. Kind of like the old um the old school every man, like, you know, yes. um and you know, if you really think about the the ambitions of this movie, uh, the 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 honestly the pulse on this movie to start with this 2001 Space Odyssey just I love total that. riff that that just crushes it out of the gate you know just like you know what i'm gonna crib a little bit of kubrick to start my movie oh yeah well i mean and it works there's jokes about francis ford coppola there's jokes about Zack snyder there's jokes about so much about movies um yeah she's really a filmmaker's filmmaker oh yeah you know and and like uh, for me one of my favorite auteurs yeah all right. Well, so uh, we still got uh, we got probably about ten minutes left here. So let's talk about favorite moments, favorite things. Let's talk about that, and then let's uh, 
you know, sure. um, do that. Um, I just wanted to say that there was a couple moments here that really stood out to me. Uh, the, 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 the time I laughed the funniest at the theater was, uh, now we're going to get into spoilers, so if you haven't seen it, come back, but, you know, if you're this far in, you probably have been, uh, have seen it, but, uh, and the whole world seeing it now too, which I think is great. I'm loving that about this too. That's another reason why is that, like, you brought up at the beginning of the show about there's this, there's still, even back then, and even today, there's this weird, oh yeah, all the ladies are going to see Barbie and all the men are going to see Oppenheimer. Because that's the right way to do it. And I'm like, no, I'm going to see both. Because I think they're both going to be great films. Yeah. And there's yeah. still that weird... It's, it's fun to see, though. And, and and I think that divide will still be there. But there's anyway. just a weird, like, yeah. divide. But um, but I loved the Michael Sarah um, them trying to leave Dreamland. And him, he goes, I got this. Yeah. And then his my favorite one of my favorite lines is when he's like, my greatest my greatest thing is that I can wear Ken's clothes. And then he starts beating <laughs> them up. I I absolutely love that. Um, good stuff. Um, let me see. Uh, Will Ferrell. I said I thought Ryan Gosling was amazing. Um, what about you? What are what are some of your favorite parts? Oh, yeah, because so, we didn't really delve okay, too much. Okay, uh, uh, first and and. I mean, I've already lavished a lot of praise on Greta Gerwig, but just blanket statement, Greta Gerwig for so many things. But beyond that, um, the music. Okay, there's there's this disco vibe, this like late 70s. There's there's a movie called uh, Thank God It's Friday, and there's another one with uh, the village people called uh, Can't Stop the Music. These are uh, generally terrible films, but they have banger soundtracks full of disco songs <laughs> yeah, and i felt the like music, the soundtrack yeah. was kind of pulling from that era like there were grooves that just kept coming in and out and it gave that barbie land such a a crisp feel um and ryan gosling and margot robbie both crush it ryan yeah. gosling kind of steals the show a little bit because he's such a goofball um, he taps into that comedic energy. He he really nailed in Nice Guys, that Shane Black movie that we both love. Yep. Um, no, I mean he's one of my favorite yeah. actors, and that's and that's one of the things. Like this doesn't change that. Um, he could do it all. He could do Blade Runner. He can do dancing and singing, and he could do Ken. And uh, and I love that, and I think that's why he wanted to do it, and I think he's great in it because he. Um, yeah, I think the casting of this film was amazing. Like that's another thing is. Um, Greta Gerwig, like you said, she cast it amazing. Down to Kate McKinnon as Weird Barbie, who I absolutely loved. Oh, I'm glad you brought that up. Um, fun little connection. Um, there's a gag in this movie where um, our stereotypical Barbie is looking around Weird Barbie's house. Yes. And there's this gag where she's looking through things, and then Weird Barbie is standing on the opposite side of the shelf, and it scares her. Okay, funny story, that's basically my favorite joke in the Ghostbusters uh, Answer the Call movie with Kate McKinnon as well. Literally the same joke. It's almost like, I mean, I don't think they stole it, but I think they knew that that is a stellar joke that Kate McKinnon just sells. No, she she's can great. make a weird face and it scares people. Yeah, um, no, she was she's She great. was great, so I'm glad you enjoyed her too. Yeah, no, I, I, I love that, and... I loved how they were all representations, and I loved how, um, if you even noticed, uh, when they pull back and they're, like, driving, they turn back into dolls. I did notice that, yeah, and they're miniatures. Yeah, yeah so, yeah, like, so little, like, that's yeah. the thing is that, it, you know, it's okay if you don't like this film, 
but the craftsmanship, the the thought, the writing, down to the, we were watching videos about them making the the set for the dream house and how much thought that went into it. So like, if you think that some people are saying, oh, they just did a cash grab and this is people just making up something you know, woke Hollywood or whatever. And I'm like, no, there was a lot of love, Barbie love, you know, all yeah. of it. All that goes, you know. And a so, love for the source material, love for the audience, just all the things, you Yes, know? so, um, yeah. if you've not seen any movies in the past, like, ten years, I, I also think that is another thing. Because I think the people, some of the meta-ness, some of the, the you know, some of the winks and some of the talking about our culture, mm-hmm. um, has turned bad over the past while, and that's how art's always been. But I think that, you know, yeah, since it's like the pandemic, people a lot of people haven't been going to. Uh, like I was telling you before we started, uh, one of my sports guys I listened to, you know, in the mornings said this is the first time they were going to leave the to go see a movie since the right. pandemic. And it, and it kind of felt like that, you know. Uh, funny aspect about loving this movie, um, going to see it. Um, there's. This weekend, and I imagine for the next week or two, and ongoing Rocky Horror Picture style um, (laughs) in perpetuity, I believe this will happen. Oh, yeah. Um, People going to the theater all dressed in pink, all vibing with the movie. I saw a bunch of tweens. These these were like 12, 13-year-olds. Yes. Dressed to the nines. It was like a group of three or four girls all wearing like ballroom gowns that were pink. Sure. And they had a boy with them who was also wearing a pink tuxedo. They were, like, taking Instagram photos outside the theater. But then you got me and my mom, who, you know, she's, like, an she's an elder, uh, yep. you know, compared to me. Um, and she enjoyed the hell out of it. And your wife enjoyed it. And, you know, I've... I know that movies can be divisive, but uh, for the people that are enjoying this film, this is just going to be, like, comfort food for the rest of their lives. It's and, really good, yeah. No, and, no, and that's the thing is that, like, I... The greatest compliment I can give this movie, and I heard this, is that people have been talking about it since they got the script, was that this is going to be a a work of art. And people said, how could a Barbie film be a work of art? And that's what this movie was. It's a work of art. It has something to say. It's fun. Like you said, it has all of its cake. You could just sit back, enjoy, put it on, two hours of fun. But if you want to sit and delve into it and you want to have a moment... You can go in that way too, and that's what art is supposed to. It can, it's supposed to have multi layers, and that's what this movie is. And that was what I was the most impressed with is that, is that I knew it was going to have some layers because, like you said, Greta Gerwig and what I kind of heard and saw, but I didn't realize it was going to be done that well, that cleverly. I thought the cleverness on this was really well done. So yeah, like like I said, um, um, I really yeah I really enjoyed that. I th- I think it's a I think it's a home run film. I walked out going it's uh it's gonna be a hit. I could see them doing a sequel, you know, because this is gonna make a lot of money. But if they never do, we'll see. But yeah. I th- I think they probably will. Um, but but we'll see. But it was a crazy movie. I'm and it's one of those movies that I can't believe exists. But I'm happy it does now. And that's that's a great work of art. Um, yeah, you know it it's it's a great work of art. Yeah, that that's a good way of putting it. Um. I think it's also going to be a camp classic. Just overall, like, the movie Cats, um, I have friends who very much believe that Cats is a camp classic, and who am I to disagree with them? But I feel like this movie is going to achieve that sweet spot. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Where um, this movie 
what, what did have high aspirations, but one of those aspirations was also to be campy and loose and a little bit fun while also being, you know, like very tight and well made. And yeah. that balance is hard to achieve. Yeah, no, I absolutely loved it. Um, any final thoughts or anything that we want to talk about that we missed? Uh, that yeah, want... Rhea Perlman is in this film, and she is phenomenal. And it's just lovely to see Rhea Perlman on the big screen. Yep, I uh, she played uh, she plays Ruth Handler, uh, the creator of Barbie, uh, which I thought was great, and I, even I knew that uh, when. So that made me happy because um, uh, my wife said that in the '90s she went and got her book signed and met her, and wow, um, she she has one of the uh, like the anniversary '90s Barbies of the original one that shows up at the um, beginning. Uh, so yeah, I I really I really enjoyed it. I agree. The cast was phenomenal. You just go and check it out. I mean, we could be here all night talking about the cast list. Um, one of the one of the biggest complaints is the one that I've heard. But again, he's an up and comer. Is um, I think his name is Ben Al David. I can't remember how to say his name, but he's in Secret Invasion, okay. um, and he's also going to be playing Bob Marley. Oh, okay. And he played Ken's um, right hand man. Oh, right, right, right. Um, yeah. And he's the, like, hot up-and-coming star nowadays. But people are like, well, he didn't get much to do. But he's in the Barbie movie with Simu Lu and all, you know I mean, I mean? There's, a, there's a lot of people in the movie. That's, um, yeah, you know, so. A lot, a lot of supporting cast members that, that only get a, you know, a, a few lines. But, um, you know, I would say that um, as far as musicals go and as far as, like, leading people, I would say that this, this movie is a little, uh, like, a little bit more fair with its, like, line distribution to the supporting actors than oh, yeah. some other movies I can think of, like uh, Greatest Showman, which had a, a decent like selection of songs that weren't the main players, but overall just didn't really have any lines at all for for the sure. supporting characters. Like they were, you know, glorified background scenery, which was a shame because they were pretty interesting characters. But this movie didn't have that problem. No. It, it had like interesting side characters that, you know they, they did great. They, yeah. Amazing I, choreography, by the way. Amazing. Oh, yeah. No, like, yeah. I loved it. No, so, I mean, yeah. I think that, uh, I think this is a movie that uh, I definitely will revisit. Uh, I will own it. I will definitely see it um, and own it and watch it. And um, I'm really happy to see it. And um, we're going to go see Oppenheimer uh, tomorrow. So. Yep. Going to see that in 70 millimeter. Until then, we're, uh, we're enough. That's right. All right. Uh, we'll see you uh, next time. We'll see you talk about Oppenheimer. Hello, I'm Zach. And I'm Forrest. And welcome to The Last of the 80s Kids. Uh, this is part two of our special Barbieheimer. Barbenheimer. Yep, yep, and we're lo we're looking at Christopher Nolan's uh, historical biopic. Yep, Oppenheimer. Yep, Oppenheimer. So, um, uh, it is the next day. Forrest and I we decided, uh, like, if you listened to earlier in the episode, you heard that Forrest went uh, with his mother, did a whole uh, double feature in one night. I commend him because I saw these two on separate days, and I'm exhausted, and especially <laughs> after this yeah. Oppenheimer, I loved it. I mean, spoiler alert, if you want to get a hot take, but I absolutely love this movie. But it is a heavy movie, and it doesn't matter 
what movie. It's like, I'm going to sit and hang with it for a while tonight. Like I'm not needing to go watch three movies tonight. Like yeah. I, that's, that's so, so, um, not, not a, not a mark against it, but I'm just saying that's pretty, um, impressive. You got through that. Um, so, uh, I was so, definitely tired by the end. Oh, know? I bet. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying I couldn't even attempt yeah. it. Like that wasn't so, um, so the thing that I wanted to do is I wanted to go see it in 70 millimeter, I found out that we had a projection here in Colorado, yep. uh, so we were going to have a film print of Oppenheimer, uh, decided we were going to go Sunday to see that one, and uh, just right off the bat, uh, I don't really want to get too much into the um, movie-going experience, I want to talk about this film, because I think that this is my favorite film of the entire year, and I think it was the worst um, screen projection <laughs> experience I've seen in a long time. Why is that? Because the screen was out of focus, it was scratchy, and even though most of the time it was going in and out of focus for the entire three hours, I still loved it. Um, uh, Forrest can attest to that, but um, I still loved the movie. I still enjoyed hanging out with Forrest and seeing it, so it was not a bad experience at all. But like, I'm going to go see it again probably this next week, weekend. Um, sometime like that yeah in, in digital the, the only thing i would say is you know it does speak to how um the uh the big box office houses with you know so many movie theaters in them uh, they can really quickly um have things go wrong and sometimes they're uh, a little bit too big for the the management to you know get quality control um Exactly. Going as well as they should. Well, that's not like a blanket indictment. No, it I isn't. love big multiplex theaters. Oh, but, sure. You know, that's one mark against multiplexes in general. I would say, and one mark for the the art house theaters. No, that no, really I, try to honor. The well, and, projection. And the well, and this, and I, I was kind of worried about this because I heard, like we were saying on the ride home, I heard about this during the premiere. That I believe that at the premiere they had a problem, and like Christopher Nolan even had to go up and. And, um, you know, make sure that it ran right. And I and, love that. No, I, I, I love the concept of Christopher Nolan, like, just standing up and being like, if, if they don't have a projectionist, I'm qualified. Oh, I absolutely <laughs> love it, thing. too. But that goes to show that, that Christopher Nolan is one of the only people left to be able to project this film and show this film. Yeah. And when you send it out to all these people and you just give them, like, instructions, which is what I've heard. I don't know. I don't work at a movie theater house but um that's kind of what i've heard um is that they got instructions which is cool yeah. but but it didn't work this time i've heard yeah. it hasn't been working on the film people who've seen digital said that it's amazing and there's no yep. problem there are no problems yeah when so I saw it, it um i'm gonna go see it again er, er, my wife and i have talked about seeing it maybe next weekend uh she's interested uh uh and uh so yeah, but anyway, but let's get into the. It's going to be in theaters a while. This is this is a movie that I feel has a lot of stamina. Um, I loved it. Like yeah. I like I, I do not know how to tell you that I went into this movie with such high expectations. I am a Christopher Nolan fan. Um, I will you know he's one of my favorite directors. Uh, you know, I've loved everything he's done. I can give you a list if you wanted to, but my point is that even the bottom of his list, I still think is some greater than some other movies oh yeah it's so, compelling stuff I, so, I feel the same way so i am so if you're coming to me with a bias of like oh i only like three christopher nolan films and is this going to be one of those i definitely love a lot of his work pretty much blanketly 
I think that this is upper echelon Nolan. I definitely think that um, I have to sit with it. We just got back a little bit ago and kind of chilling out from the hot, you know, Sunday and all the people and stuff, which was great seeing people at the movie theater, too. I thought that was great. But the point is, um, sitting with it, people are saying it's his best, it's his number one, and I don't know where I sit on that. But will I say it's his number top two, top three? Uh, maybe one. I will definitely say that those thoughts have crossed my mind personally, but I don't know yet. I gotta sit with it for. But it's definitely not lower for yeah. me. Um, that's 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 my opinion. Uh, just going in. Uh, like I said, we started doing on Barbie a ticketing uh, or a I mean a um, kind of a ranking out of ten. Uh, we gave Barbie. I gave Barbie a nine, and uh, so did Forrest. Uh, I am gonna give Oppenheimer a ten out of ten. That's my personal opinion. What would you give it, Forrest? You know, I would probably rank it right there with Barbie at a nine. Um, I love it, but um, uh, it and Barbie, I think both were just you know phenomenal, basically near perfect movies. Like yeah, and I I just think with time, the more I think about it, like you said, you know, kind of sit with the film and let it go over you. I will say, um, after the first viewing, yes, um. I was a bit tired, so that might contribute to my bias a little bit. And I unfortunately didn't get into the theater until like two minutes into the movie, uh. um, which didn't seem like it was a big deal, um, but it did affect the, the results. Anyway, uh, my feeling was it was like a seven, um, and that was really based on, I think, a little bit of confusion because I was getting tired. But I also felt like there was a lot of talking. Um, but seeing it today, a lot of things clicked for me. Um, especially because I knew what was going to happen. Mm-hmm. And so I was able to pay more attention to the dialogue, the editing, the sound, the acting. And, and all those elements are just pff, coming together perfectly much in the same way they did in the Barbie movie. So it's yes. just been a fantastic movie going weekend It, it has me. been. I mean, I definitely um, agree with that as a movie fan. I've been I've been loving it. Uh, I'm just really excited because this was one of my most anticipated of the year. I went in with very high expectations, and like I said, even though um, the projection experience was not very good, the movie I still loved, and I still really enjoyed hanging out with you and getting to do and talk this for sure. But I loved the movie. It has all the stuff that I it it, it it's uh, it's about. It's about everything. It's about uh, art and politics and history and war and romance. And, you know, and I know that sounds highfalutin. Some people may roll their eyes, and I get that. But when you do that well and you're not being... And I thought this movie, as we talked about, with every character, even a character who only shows up once or twice in this film, whoever that may be, is still so compassionate and human. They're smoking a lot. They're drinking a lot. They say things they shouldn't. They dress the way they shouldn't. They post things they shouldn't on the you know board uh you know back then it was paper so they you know whatever it is there's a lot of just like these are human people and even if you're the person drawing up papers in the secretary wing something's going on and christopher nolan is doing that and this is one of the most human um and that's one of the things where like i got almost to the end of the movie where i was going i love this film and then I was like, it's a biopic. And I was like, it felt like an epic American movie. But on paper, it is a biopic. But it just felt even more than that. It felt about all through the eyes of this one person, which is what I think he was going for. And that's what I absolutely loved about it, was that it's um, 
it's about the man, but it's also about everything that the man worked for and strived for and what we're still dealing with. And people are saying that it's scary and it's something that we're dealing with now. And yes, we're on the precipice of great technology things that could potentially harm us. And so we are kind of in that um, vibe. And I definitely yeah, got we're, that. Yeah, we're near a pivot. And that, yep. that, so there's a scene that really stood out to me. Um, Oppenheimer's wife, who's played by um, Emily Blunt. Emily Blunt, thank you. Um, she has this great um, little sequence where she talks about how she feels the world is about to pivot. Yep. And that this is his moment. Yep. Um, it's really, really cool stuff um, because the, the movie does pivot in, in a way that I, I noticed a lot more because when I watched it the first time, I was waiting for the explosion to happen. What, what did you think of the explosion real quick, though, before? Because I, I feel like that's everybody's, you know, focus right now. Sure, is yeah. What's the experience of seeing the nuclear explosion? What I think, think the experience was the experience of the scientists. It was shocking. It was blinding. It was scary. It wasn't fun. It wasn't exciting. It was dark. It was grimy. It was scary. It was death and that um, is what the movie is doing, and I think that um, um, I think that that kind. Of, I agree with you, but it's not about how cool the explosion is. Uh, he is showing you how the nuclear test feels. We don't know how it feels to be sitting there on Los Alamos in the forties, going, "I don't know if this thing is going to um, go or not." And that is what the movie's about, and he did a masterful job of getting that across with explosions, light, sound, all the things that are at his disposal. Now, if you're going in, going, I want to see, if you're thinking this is the Dark Knight Chicago Hospital, um, that is the wrong way to think about it. Because I did not, if you're going in thinking about, um, I know this is a talkie movie, and the explosion is the um, exciting um, climactic point of this film, it is not. The movie, it's it's uh, the the nuclear explosion. Actually, I would say starts the third act. Yeah, and yeah, then it does, and then um, yeah. and I love that because that was where the um the the reality set in. The beginning of the movie is the theory and the camaraderie and, and the, the backstory and all the stuff. Robert Oppenheimer was yes, yeah. but but also but but the the uh, you know and even even Oppenheimer not understanding what was happening and then that moment with the bomb is it affects everybody differently and he gave you the same kind of feeling that i think as we can get to being there um ourselves sitting there with robert oppenheimer so that i thought was a triumph but it, as a like visual spectacle this is going to be 15 minutes of oddness that's going to be like 2001 a space odyssey no um you're going to be very disappointed if that is kind of your your outlook going yeah, into it. Yeah, well, and, and incidentally, I mean, one one interesting aspect of this movie, there's, there's a lot of interesting things that I just, I one of the biggest ones is the visuals, and not yes. just the explosion, but also in the first two acts, uh, there's a lot of visuals of, like, the cosmos, or like the, the micro-universe that Robert Oppenheimer perceives, but but can't like put into language yes and uh some of those shots are stunning and um yes. especially there's one i noticed he's even at a party and he's describing something to somebody and it cuts to it yep and there's a lot of little cuts like that in the first uh 
two two thirds of the movie. Yep. And it, it was an artistic choice, and for me, that's one of the strengths of the film. Yeah. So instead of explaining the science, instead of sitting there and doing like a Goodwill Hunting or any other math movie kind of thing. Yes. Uh, they go the more artistic route where it's like, okay, he's going to explain it. And as he's explaining it, we're going to give you a, a very gorgeous visual and then, of what that might look like. And then those visuals show back up in the explosion, but in ways that you're not expecting. Or yeah. in ways that are scarier or darker than what you thought. Which is what I thought was brilliant, was that um, he figured out... The, the real triumph is how he figured out how to make an explosive event feel scary, feel dark, feel important, and be artistic and tie into all these different shots. Because like you're talking about, he looks at rain, he looks at sprinkles in rain, he looks at um, sheets of water and ice and stuff, and, and it's all like little yeah. hints to that. And then it shows back up in the explosion, and there's even moments where you, there's, um, as you saw, there was a moment in the beginning of the movie where he's seeing particles, and then in the big explosion, those particles show up. And you could see his face almost go, look, they're there. And then it gets really scary because he goes, oh, look, they're there. The thing yeah. that I've... And so, like, that is the point of that. Um, is that, like, is all those things that you were leading up to it, that's what makes that nuclear thing um, special. Um, is it the greatest visual thing that Christopher Nolan has ever done? No, but I think that that's the wrong way to think about that. I think that that was... It was a scary, heartfelt... You're supposed to feel like those scientists in Oppenheimer felt. Now, yeah. Oppenheimer is the person we're looking through, so we get about 90%. But they did, even the people who... There was people crying. There were mm -hmm. some scientists who were crying. There were some that were laughing. There were some that were silent. There were some that were like Oppenheimer, just didn't know, just had lots of these thoughts. So, so that was... And so it's up to the person. It's up to the human. If you thought that that explosion was funny, then you'll be one of those people, probably the scientists who laugh, who went, wow, that was a big kaboom, haha." -ha. Yeah. But if you're like Oppenheimer, you'll go, that was pretty dark, scary, and unsettling, and maybe we shouldn't have done this, which is the point of that. And then the reality of that sets in for the audience and for the characters for the third act. And that's why there's that big third act but everything starts coming together there. And that's what I love, too, is the, the, the storytelling. Yeah. Because I was worried, uh, talking to you and people online said that it's sometimes slow, third act can be a little bit long, um, you know, that sort of thing. It's a three-hour film. And I that was my biggest worry. But I thought that the structure, I was never bored, I was always... I thought that the way they structured it was emotionally fantastic because they gave you the, the the future moments, the past moments, the present moments, all when they needed to be told so that you could feel the journey of America and Oppenheimer at the same time. Sure, Which sure. you can't do in real life yeah. because you have to and, live to be 70 to do that. Well, and kind of the journey of, of science. Yes. You know, so, like, I, I don't want to spoil the movie hardcore, but sure. what I will do is tell you a theme. Like, okay, and I feel like thematically there's this idea of, you know, standing on the shoulder of giants. You you have the scientists that came before you, their discoveries, their truths that they've uncovered in the universe, and then you stand on their shoulders and you do the same. And it just keeps going and going. And this movie thematically looks at that as something of maybe a curse yeah. that every generation of scientists maybe some of them are kind of cursed yep. with discovery yeah and uh i really 
that it's very moving for me. So as far as the explosion goes, one thing that I, I really hope people can go in expecting to be wowed by is not only the visual, which is tasteful, well shot, and yes. it does capture what, what the actual Trinity explosion looked like. Because if you look up yeah. nuclear explosion sizes, it's the smallest one. Yes. Um, so, it, But it's extremely big for uh, human yeah. beings who have never seen a nuclear bomb explode. Exactly. But a key aspect of it all is the sound design. Yes. And it is propulsive. I want this movie to get a sound design Oscar so bad. Oh, yeah. Because it moved me emotionally. The way that there's um, the scientifically accurate delay between the flash and the, the wave of sound that yep. comes from the explosion. And then there's this gym sequence. Um, yep. And the gym sequence for me is the movie. Like, if there's one scene that I feel just, oh, that's the yep. core of the movie, it's this moment where you have sound design that's editing everybody, cheering him and stomping. Yep. But then you hear, like, screaming in the background yep and you know and, and then, then he starts yeah. seeing people melting and uh he starts yeah and that's the thing and they bring this up in the movie is how can someone spend all their time all their their energy years of work um you know be uh an, an a personality a leader uh whatever whatever you want to say smoke cigarettes wear his hat how can you do all this stuff and then create the thing that you wanted to create and then for the rest of your life say we should maybe stop doing this or you know and that's what the movie's about is that it makes you feel that it goes okay yeah you're right in theory and in a way to solve a world war which is was happening um they had to do it and so uh that's was the thrust but i love that the movie i definitely felt takes after the nuclear ex ex explosion takes a shift for oppenheimer and for us where it is, like, deadly serious now. Like, before it was, like, camaraderie, and there was, like, some funny Matt Damon moments, and there was some of this. And, I mean, it's always serious. It's always a drama. But then after the nuclear test, he's like, my life and everyone else's lives is pretty meaningless, except for we need to start talking about bombs. And yeah. we got Strauss, and we got all these people going politics and lawyers, and yep. he is going, this is all kind of pointless. And, um... Well, and that's I, where all the dramatic tension is coming from, too. Yes. We know the bomb's going to explode. We yes. know he's going to feel bad about it. But what we don't know is this whole trial situation, and and I guess as good a time as any to just, you know, let, let people know, like, this has a kind of a courtroom drama feel to it yeah. on some of its um, uh, timelines. They, they, they you know, do the hearing, the actual hearing of Robert Oppenheimer where they took away his security clearance and that is a big part of the film. That is one of the threads of the film and that could be really rough and dark and anxiety inducing and um, very talky and very legalese but it was something that he went through and it's it's supposed to make you feel overwhelmed and yeah. in a you know if you notice he's in a corner for most of he it he is yeah and and Jason Clark just doing a fantastic job as an antagonistic force uh, as like the defense attorney uh, that's grilling him that's, and his colleagues that's what i wanted to say is that i think that you should go for this movie to see Christopher Nolan and then these actors and I know that sounds maybe hipstery or cliche, but I think that everyone is doing A-list work. The person who says three lines, you go, I've seen that person in a ton of movies, and they just killed that line. 
and that's the way it is throughout the entire film. And sometimes you see these biopics or epic movies or whatever, um, if you are thinking about it that way, like like we said on paper, you go, oh, the couple main actors, the person playing, you know, Ray Charles and his wife or something are great. But is everybody, is every actor, you know, but this is down to everybody is acting great in this movie. And that's kind of where, like you said, the shooting, the, the filmmaking, and the acting is the spectacle for me. That was where sure. I thought, that is where, that was the um, Marvel explosions for me, yeah. was that. Yeah, no, totally, and I, I get that 100%. And you know, what really elevated the movie for me, like what made me go from being like, eh, it was really good, but it could have been better, to really enjoying it this time around, was some of the some of the real artistic flourish that Christopher Nolan indulged him in while he was still doing the the legal hearings and the yep. historical biopic type stuff. Yep. He really leaned into this artistic choice where he had two threads. He had fusion and fission. And what blew me away was that I missed the first like three minutes of this movie when I saw it on Thursday. Gotcha. And I missed that. And uh... it blew my mind. It made the movie make so much more sense because there there's really like a lot of dichotomy in this movie. Yes. And one of the biggest points of contention in this movie is that Robert Oppenheimer and everybody on the Manhattan Project created the atom bomb. Yep. Um, and one of the people on his staff believes that because they've developed the atom bomb, they can then develop an H-bomb. Yep. And there's all this tension around, well, should we even make one? Do we need one? Well, aren't you a communist? Didn't you, like, go to a communist meeting ten years ago? And that dramatic tension around whether or not Oppenheimer supported the H-bomb and how that pitted him against a basically Washington bureaucrat. Like, it's just really compelling stuff. It's like Aaron Sorkin-level politicking going on in the plot and i'm here for it like it's yes. awesome yeah exactly and that's and that's yeah and that's the thing that i loved was that i think this is one of the most um uh you know wealth fleshed out biopics of a person because we really felt like oppenheimer we understood where he was coming from and sometimes we didn't like where he was coming from or what, what he was doing but it was understood and he you know it through the humanity of it all is where um, it really kind of kind of hit for me um, was like you said yeah all that and then um, for me I love the ending I thought the ending where we finally I won't spoil it but you uh, there's a scene that as soon as I saw it today I went this is gonna come back I didn't know it was gonna be the last scene but I thought this would come back in the third act um, we find out about what was actually said at the very beginning of the movie and that um, I thought was brilliant. I thought that was um, that was uh, that was great for me with uh, with um, uh, Albert Einstein. Um, that was the that for me was the theme of the movie right there, mm-hmm. where um, and the American Prometheus and the we're human and that was the thing that that um, we are looking from the perspective of history. Robert Oppenheimer and all these people, no matter who they are, are still human. No matter what they did. They created the atomic bomb. They created microwave oven. Uh, they created a new way to cure cancer. Cool. They're all human. And if you dig deep enough, you're going to find that probably the guy who cured cancer doesn't like dogs or something. 
And this entire film was kind of that, because people want to subjectify him, objectify him, uh, give him credit, say he's a good person, bad person, he did great, he killed millions of people, he didn't kill millions of people. You know, there's so many political sides to it. But this movie is saying, he's human. The way you feel while sitting here watching this film, and all the different scientists having all the different opinions and all this stuff, is a representation of that. And, um, but he felt he... You're going through the through the journey with them. You're understanding. And if you, you know, if you come out that we shouldn't have done this or we shouldn't have done so much atomic weapons or humanity and bureaucrats kind of took something that was good or slash maybe bad and then just ran with it as weapons and, and just their egos, then you were going to love this movie and you're going to go, okay, I understand Robert Oppenheimer more than just the History Channel stuff that I've seen before in the past. So, sure. You know, uh, Manhattan Project, he's, okay, cool, but now I understand, and now I totally get, now I understand, because whenever you hear about him, he goes, yeah, but the rest of his life, he said that America was a good. And yeah. it's like, that was not what he said. He said that we need to cult back on nuclear stuff, and we need to not be trying to destroy each other, and we need to not be having the greatest weapon in the world, and or the greatest army in the world. And now, that's your personal opinion, but he wasn't saying America was bad, and that's yeah. That, that's well, you know, I think that um, one of the one of the ways people can look at this is, especially if you're younger, the internet, you know, was only widespread in the like mid nineties, yeah, um, and it was really only mainstream like after two thousand, like most families had internet, yes. Um, if you imagine a time like, wow, what, what must people have thought when the internet first started? Yes. And you think, oh, it must have been this big before after. And it's like, yeah, there is a before and after, but there's also kind of a vibe change yep. is what I would describe. And I was really tuned into it because um, if you really don't want the explosion or the details of it spoiled, like, you know, just yeah. skip it one minute. Sure. Um, but anyway... During the explosion, it goes silent, and that's really, you know, it gives us the, the opportunity to reflect. But then it shifts. We get, like, a 20-minute a countdown at one point. Somebody says, oh, it's 20 minutes, 20 minutes. Yeah. It is not anywhere near 20 minutes until the explosion in no. movie time. No. It's like 30 seconds. Yep. They say, oh, 20 minutes away. Somebody opens the door. They cut back. Two minutes. And then suddenly they're like 10 nine and you are not prepared and here's the thing the world is not prepared yes for what will change after it happens exactly and, and it's so insane how when you watch the movie and you look for that vibe change yes. where there's a lot of hope there's a lot of ambition there's a lot of grit going on and then suddenly it becomes well, people wait, bickering, politics, um, people trying to get the upper hand, trying to seek power, people trying to screw people over, trying to get better careers, not getting careers, quitting. Mm -hmm. That all happens after the yeah. bob. Yeah. And so it it, it kind of shows you how something beautiful and optimistic that was kind of done with the best intentions, I hope, in general, um, it can go real sour real fast. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And we are, like you said, and... Not to get too vibey with the politics or whatever, but I think we are living, and we've been living these last couple years, in a vibe change. We don't know what that vibe change is going to be, but that's what this movie is. It's about another time where there's a huge vibe change, 
and we are in a vibe change. Whatever you want to do, AI, aliens, um, global warming, not global warming, uh, whatever, uh, it's, it's not about politics. The point is, I think everybody feels that there is a pivot point, like you said earlier, we're mm -hmm. in a vibe point, and it's not going to be like it was uh, from Oppenheimer's time to now. Like, that's going to be, and that's kind of the point of this movie, is we are at another point like this. So the yeah. last hundred years or whatever, you know, le less than hundred years, uh, 80 years since the Trinity test, um, th that time is starting to vibe away. And yeah. now that is scary, but it was scary for the people inside the movie. And this is how you deal with art, and this is how you deal with life, is you use that art. And I love that. That's Before we, uh, we're almost at 30 minutes here, so we can start doing some stuff. But I love that, that everybody was represented. There was people who heard about the explosions in Nagasaki and the atomic bomb, and were happy, and were like, this is my Super Bowl. And there were people that were crying and puking, and there was people that wanted to make love to a woman, and people who didn't want to touch anybody. And I loved that, because that is reality of what really happened, and what really does happen with humanity. You can't say this was a great thing, a bad thing, a beautiful thing, a scary thing. It was all those things. And yeah. that's what this movie um, is doing. And I that's why I think it's a triumph. It, it's... Um, you know, like you said, it. Yeah, yeah. So any, and you know, no. I would, I would just say, you know, as far as the Barbenheimer experience has gone, as far as the sure. hype. And yeah, we can end up. Yeah, that's here's, great. Here's yeah. one fault I, I find in all of it. I feel like the, and I know they needed the, they needed people to come and get in seats, but I feel like the Oppenheimer marketing played up the explosion yes. a little too much they and did. downplayed the character drama aspects. A little too much as well. Well, well sure, and and that's funny because uh, that's the thing is that like the nuclear explosion was not the thing. I I've loved Killian Murphy in everything that I've seen him in. He's one of my he's one of the actors I've loved, and hearing that he was in the lead of a Nolan film, I'm like, cool. If it's Casper the Friendly Ghost, I'm gonna go see. But then it turned out to be Oppenheimer. <laughs> Killian the Friendly Ghost. Exactly, <laughs> but it turned out to be Oppenheimer, and so. I w so, like you said, for weeks and months leading up to this movie, it's been about the nuclear explosion. And I, I agree. I think that is a disservice because that was the least exciting thing that I wanted to go see into this movie. I was afraid that it was going to be... I thought it was going to be an interstellar, let's spend ten minutes looking at this black hole. Uh, let's spend ten minutes looking at this nuclear explosion and let's forget about the drama of it all. And no, I felt that this was the opposite. I felt like this was, you see it from everybody's perspective, you feel it from your, your own perspective, and that is what I thought was amazing about it. And so, like I said, that was like the things that my expectations and my, um, my concerns just flip-flopped and just like, that's why this is my favorite movie of the year, because I went, oh man, every, is this going to be... 15 minutes of a nuclear bomb and everyone's gonna sure, sure and 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 that was not what i was excited about and and yeah so so i loved it like like i just yeah, thought that was great, great. Acting, and, and and you know yes Emily Blunt, florence Pugh, Pugh i thought she was great rami malik rather yeah rami malik um and the other thing i want to say is that i agree with you i love the barbenheimer thing that happened uh this month uh as of this recording and as of this week but they they wasn't really fair to to pit them against each other 
I think that they were both really great films, and if you are a film uh, goer and lover, you're going to have a great weekend, and you probably did have a great weekend. But if you, but but I don't think they should be compared. I don't think they should be verses. I don't think which one was better, which one is more worth your time, which one should you buy, and which one should you throw away. Sure. I, I don't like any of that stuff. I think they were both really good films that if you want to be part of this cultural zeitgeist, you should go yeah. see and have an opinion about and then move on. Yeah. Um, and uh, if you love both of them, which I did, I will own both and watch these again. Oppenheimer is going to be, like I said... Um, one of my favorite movies of the year. I hope that Barbie wins for writing, and I hope that Christopher Nolan finally wins his Oscar, and yeah. maybe uh, Silly Killian Murphy gets an Oscar. We'll see what happens, but my well, point I is could... is that I love both. I hope they both get whatever, and I'm happy that people yeah. loved them. So. Well, I could see Robert Downey Jr. getting an Oscar from this. Easily. Easily. Best um, supporting, finally? Uh, yeah. 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 Um, I and yeah, Killian Murphy... Um, you know, yeah, just so much great supporting actor work is in the film. There's even, um, there's a, a character actor that was in, uh, I think, the USA show, Blue Collar. And he even shows up, like, he's a TV actor, but there's oh, there's yeah. just such a rich amount of yeah. faces where you're like, oh, that's like that really cool, charismatic guy from this. Well, we that. were talking about, and, um, for the younger kids, uh, they're the life and times of Zach yeah, Cody. Yeah. Uh, I don't watch that show, but one of the actors from that is in Oppenheimer and that's getting people out. And I love that. Like for said, that's great. This is a star studded event and it's not just of the old people or people who like old movies like, um, you know, yeah. Robert Downey Jr. or something like that. It's like, this has Matt Damon, it has Killian Murphy, it has Florence Pugh, it has uh, the guy from the, the Zack and Cody show. It has Rami Malek. Yep. It has, it and has so Suf, much. Sufjan Stevens, I want to say. Yeah. Um, the, he's also a director. Um, oh, no, co-directed. Oh, um, oh, oh you're Oh, you're talking about um, oh um, uh, Body Safa or whatever. I think so. Yeah, yeah. But that that guy, I just shout out to him. He's he has a very magnetic personality. I was telling Zach about this. I just feel like whenever he's in a scene, yeah. he he draws your attention because he's, he's just he's got great presence. Yeah, he's one of the directors of uh, Good Times and. Um, Uncut gems. Uncut gems. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It's the it's the Saudi brothers or whatever. Yeah. That's it. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And one one minor thing. Um. If you're interested in like post nuclear stuff, like how did America, uh, deal with the existentialism of knowing they could destroy the world and themselves? Not um, well. Yeah. Not well. Um. Fun little th- tangent is the Twin Peaks. TV series that David Lynch made. Okay. So I know it's a lot of homework. So, you know, if you're into Twin Peaks, though, check it out. Sure. The Return thematically explores how the Trinity test is actually responsible for a lot of the evil that has occurred in the Twin Peaks universe. Gotcha. And, okay. and David Lynch is actually of that generation. Sure. Yep. So it's a fun kind of meditation yeah. on that time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway. No, no, no. I get, no, I love that. Uh, I think my final statement about Oppenheimer is uh, we've never really had anything to express or have make us feel in today's world what it was like to be in World War II, the pressure, the anxiety, and just like how people say Saving Private Ryan is a perfect... Uh, you know, it's not a perfect one-to-one actual reality film to what war is. But how war feels is how 
uh, Saving Private Ryan feels, is what veterans say. And I think that this movie, if anybody ever reads a textbook from here on out, and you hear about the nuclear test, all the drama, Robert Oppenheimer, and it's not going to be just black and white photos. You can feel it, and you, this is a great job of doing that. Um, that's what this movie's about, feeling that vibe change that happened in the 40s. It's happening again now. That's how it connects to today, and um, that's what it's really kind of about, other than the themes and the acting and all that other stuff. Yeah, like, and that's all kind kinds of, of other great yeah, stuff. Yeah, there's a ton of stuff going on. So. Yeah, you know, it's a historical document in some ways because it preserves this moment of change and I love that about that. I think that a lot of us growing up, yeah. like we all grew up taking the bomb, we even call it the bomb, for granted. Sure. And, you know, so many thousands of Americans have spent their whole lives under the knowledge that like, oh, a nuclear bomb could explode at any time. Yep. And to that actually... That we've never had. Yeah. To actually look at a person who's dealing with that understanding first yes, in a lot of very, ways he's yes, like the correct. first guy to realize correct oh my that's goodness, what's special yes yes that's what's <laughs> special about it is that he was the first one he was the one who invented it and then he was also the first one to go holy shit this happened and like that is what was special and dichotomy and fun uh, and exciting about this film and why you should go see it. Yeah, check it out. It's very good. All right, guys, thank you very much. Uh, we will see you again next month. Uh, we're going to have another double feature. We're talking and figuring that one out, but we're happy to do the cultural zeitgeist. It was a lot of fun. Barbie, Oppenheimer, uh, loved it. So Yeah, stay rad out there. All right, talk to you guys later.